The verses this morning will be found in Hebrews, chapter 11, verses 23 through 28. And uh, if you're using the uh, Bible there in the pews or chairs, uh, you'll find that th those verses on page 1008. Let's read God's word. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we do thank you for your word this morning. And God, we just uh, pray for services, pray for the message this morning, pray you'd just give Brother Al uh, strength, pray you'd give him clarity, pray, Father, that you would just uh, strengthen him as he uh, shares your word and shares uh, about the RBM uh, ministry. And God, we just thank you for their service there. We thank you for the opportunity to be here this morning. May you be honored and glorified in Christ's name. Amen. How about now? Is it better? Yeah, so they'd never make this uh, short enough for me. I, I uh, originally had all these notes like on an iPad. And anyhow, it's not working. So we're going to go back to the old-fashioned way uh, with paper. But I'd like to say a little bit about us. Uh, I've been with RBM Ministries, believe it or not, 18 years now. Uh, a long time. Let me see, make sure this is on. Okay. And my wife, Melissa, will you please stand? She's my better half. She truly, she, mean, she does the um, PowerPoints. Uh, she basically does the majority of it. And like, I really just get to study God's word. I enjoy it. Um, so she's a big help. Uh, who do I reach? Um, we're in the um, in the fall. We're in the uh, public school systems, uh, first grade through six, and um, I did do some middle schools, um, 
I've sort of backed off a little bit just to maintain, uh, concentrate on the children. Um, wow, you guys can see that, right? RBHAM is a, they have a unique program. It's called Release Time Bible Class. And under Michigan law, children can be released from school, ready for this, to attend religious instruction classes. In other words, if mom or dad or the guardian, you know where they're living, if they sign that permission slip, they will be allowed or released uh, to come with me and whoever, my helper will pick them up in a school bus in the office and we take them to a nearby church and we get to teach them God's word. And uh, the questions I've been asked over the I'll just go on. I can't see that far. But anyhow, the, the questions that most parents will ask is, is this legal? Yes, it's legal. And it's, uh, I've had a great opportunity doing it. Um, I think um, my goal sometimes in teaching those kids is that God loves them. They need that today more than ever. God loves them. God created them. And... Uh, God wants to know them. I went to a public school. I believe I came from an ape. Let's just be honest. Um, so, and um, I want to be clear on this. I am all for public schools. Now, my kids are in a Christian school. They have been. But uh, public schools, God can use the kids. God can use the teachers. Jessica, my oldest, is a high school teacher. So when I conduct these Bible classes... I keep them to a minimum of one hour max. I know it's important for them to get educated. I just want that time to just give them that hope from God's word. And if some choose to trust God, we have somebody in RBM that does follow up with them. Also in vacation Bible schools, there's follow up paperwork. So it's really a unique ministry um, that God has given us. I mean, I'll just kind of go through that. I'm in three counties, Allegan, Barry, and Eaton County. Um, I'm in 25 public school elementaries. Uh, and the middle school, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I'll keep doing those. And I'm in three Christian schools. Teaching in the middle school from 18 years ago till now, the main thing that gets brought up is homosexuality. It has to be addressed, right? Um, so just to give you an idea of kind of where we moved, and um, I'm as gracious and as kind as I can be to them, um, but I still got to give them God's truth, right? That God loves them and he cares for them. Um, I choose to build that relationship with them, with my wife, because she's with me, and I just want to talk to them about it. I want to listen, <laughs> and then as time goes on, then we'll discuss that. In, uh, in the class, and a couple years ago, basically, that's what it was. And I, uh, I don't know if I've mentioned this before. A couple years ago, this young lady and her friend, professor, you know, homosexuals, I'll never forget, she stands up and she says, would you invite me to your church? And I said, absolutely. I said, my wife and I, you call me in the morning, and we will pick you up. She didn't call me. So when I saw her, I said, hey, we're ready. I just, sometimes they think, you know, we don't want them here. Um, we're all sinners in need of a what? Savior. 
a savior. They need Christ. So I um, just, let's just be kind and compassionate to them. They got to hear his God. I don't want to just, well, this kid there, pastor's sons. The first thing he said, you're going to hell and you're going to burn it. Oh, my word. Uh, that's what we don't need, right? You know, so we, there's a way we can uh, form that sentence, uh, convey it in a different way. Now, the, there's truth to it, but let's, let's do it compassionately. Uh, I'm reaching over 300 elementary and middle school uh, children each month. Um, oh, uh-oh. Let me see. Did I do something wrong there? Can somebody push me to the next slide? I went with this remote thinking this would work better. I don't think it matters how many times. Oh, there we, oh, let's see. Can we go back to, okay. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. You do it. Thank you. Uh, these are some of the kids in the classes. Um, Lois there, and I have other helpers. They are a great blessing. These ladies and men, they've been through life. They've been through the Christian, uh, I call it the marathon. They um, have more experience than I do. So it's kind of nice sometimes to have them there. And I'll have the kids ask them questions. But I, uh, helpers are desperately needed for us to conduct these classes. If a helper does not show, I immediately call the school and I cancel the class. I will never do a class alone, just for good reasons. Vacation Bible School. Uh, this summer, I conducted, yeah, this summer, I conducted uh, five vacation Bible schools. And um, I'm just going to read this for one second. So far for next summer, 2022, I have, uh, I have, well, for 2022, I have four vacations that are already signed up, uh, churches. I am actively seeking opportunities for more vacation Bible schools. So if you know of a church or churches, um, they don't have to be Baptists. Um, but maybe some Bible-believing church, Bible-believing churches. I would love to meet with them. A lot of times they don't have them because they don't have the, the personnel. They don't have helpers. RBM, we go in there, we have the material, and we do the teaching, and um, we just try to make it easier on them. Um, so if you, if you know of some, please let me know. Um, I would love to do that. These are some, some the weighing contests. This is something I really enjoyed. The kids enjoy it. And a lot of times through these uh, weighing contests, like red versus blue, uh, $500, $600 comes in. That's a lot of pennies. I feel bad for the treasurer, but uh, I don't know what you do. Just take them to the bank, I'm sure. But theirs, they will fill. Those are five-gallon buckets. They'll fill them. And um, just as in vacation Bible school, that is part of worship, amen? Giving is part of worship. So there's things that we put in there just to teach these young kids, boys and girls. Um, when they're up there singing, I always love to get off the stage, and I just want them up there. First, I can't sing, but I want them up there. It just is kind of neat to see the parents. Um, by this time, they know the songs. Uh, Vacation Bible School has been changing lately. A lot of churches have been going to what's called vacation Bible school. The whole family comes, Aunt Millie and John and all the rest. I think that is an awesome idea. First of all, they're all together. And before the, before the, the vacation Bible school starts, they kind of have a meal. 
So I make sure I don't miss the meal because it's very good. But it's really good to see moms and dads, aunts and uncles, uh, just hanging out together. The adults also learn because I think the pastor or the youth pastor will take them off the side. And, you know, they'll, they'll just get into some subjects. And I'm going to just throw this one in there. Where's Paul Gilly? I'm going to just be like, Paul Gilly, get off track. Uh, you and I, we're good at this. They, I was teaching a lesson on, on something to do with marriage or something. And um, this young man, probably 25, he says, look, I got something to confess. <laughs> and I thought, okay, there's Pastor Mark over there. Go to him. But uh, he came to me and he says, I want to tell you something that you don't know about me. And he says, I... Um, you know, I, was with, I lived with my girlfriend before we got married, okay? And, like, it is just, just along those lines, like how we felt, because we're teaching, you know, God's word, and, you know, you, you do that. You don't let, you do that after you get married. And I just thought, God led me to say, okay, I forget his name. I said, hey, let me tell you something about me. I did exactly the same thing. I, uh, <laughs> my wife, Melissa, and I, we lived together before we got married, and I just, uh, is that right? Absolutely not. But God still uses people. At that time, I, I still remember, I asked Pastor Dan. I, really know, I did not know him. I just knew my brother came here. I asked, would you marry me? His answer was an emphatic, nope. <laughs> and it's fine. Why? I wasn't, you know. He asked me, would you move out of the house? Would you two separate? And I'm not going to lie to the preacher. I said, nope. So that's why he said no. But uh, because I knew inside, I probably wasn't able to do that. But there's young people out there, young ladies, they probably think, hey, man, maybe, I, maybe it's not for me. We have a loving and forgiving God, amen? Absolutely. And then here's just some kids. Uh, this is 2021. Yeah, I want to talk about that right there. We, my wife set up the scene. I wasn't going to do all this, but she knows better. She said, why don't you set it up? So I'll try to make it flow. And if I fumble the ball, oh well. Uh, afterwards, we get to hang out with them. And uh, I enjoy doing the games. I do not do no more pies in the faces. And I've outgrown that. I'll leave that for the youth pastors. Um, pulpit supplies. I've, been, I, uh, I've taught at Plainwell Baptist, Bellevue Baptist, Chester Gospel. Uh, let's see, Bedford Bible. I, I was recently at Bedford Bible preaching this Sunday that went by. And also at Yankee Spring Bible Church. That gives you an idea when I get phone calls. It's basically uh, these churches. And sometimes they might call the night before because something happens. Um, I speak at these churches, Plainwood Baptist. Plainwood's right down my road. So I told pastor there, call me anytime, anytime. And sometimes he does. Uh, Allegan Bible Church, uh, Orangeville. I think this is you guys. Angel Bible in Bellevue Baptist and Heritage Hills Bible Church. So I, I have the opportunity, whether it be Awanas, Olympians, whatever the programs may be. Uh, in Christian schools, Heritage Christian Academy, where my kids uh, have all attended, I have one more, Juliana, uh, a sophomore. She's, um, she's still there in Barry County Christian, not too far from here. And actually, I'll be in Cedar Creek Bible, I think in a week or so, teaching uh, for their chapels. Uh, so what do I teach? That's important. Hmm. I don't know if you can see that, but these are the monthly things that we'll be teaching. And where is Tim Moore? Is he here? Oh, there he is. 
I know Tim always gets embarrassed. Tim did something. He kind of changed it and called it God's Healthy Heart Clinic. And Tim, I, I kind of gone through it. It's something we, we got. We must be able to relate to the kids, right? We can't be going all over their heads. And Tim, I think that was a great idea right there. But, and then we do release time Bible classes once a month. So we're at a school once a month. I will not be there to the following month. And then how can you help? In a release time Bible class, right now, everything for me is still on hold because of COVID-19. Um, I was supposed to be meeting with the uh, superintendents back probably in no, uh, November, mid-November. You know, they weren't too sure. Um, my personal, I'll just be honest, my personal feelings, I do not want to go in there and disrupt anything. These, they're just starting out. They don't know what's all going on. There's a lot of things up in the air. So I'm sort of... I'll bring the reins back a little, let them get going, let them start. And uh, I've had good communications with them. It's not that they don't want me there. I've been there all these years. So I'm choosing myself personally to just be very tender uh, in that situation. I build these bridges. I don't want to break them down just because, hey, you know, the law says we can do it. So pray for us. Uh, that's the stance I'm going to take. As soon as that green light's ready, I will get right back in there. Let's see. Um, Oh you, can, oh, you can download, wait, what did I do? One more time. You can download the slip from RBM. Say you want somebody to attend release time Bible class. That'd be awesome. There's a slip on there on the website, and your mom or dad, they have to sign that slip. And either you, either you turn it back into the office, or, um, and I believe, or that'd probably be the best. And then when I go to school, I'll ask for a list. Hey, who's all signed up? And they'll give me the list for the kids. And uh, it works great. Uh, let's see. Oh, pray for RBM, school officials, and the school boards as they are right now currently working through this. It's um, in every, seems like every school, every district is different. That makes it a little chaotic for me. Uh, but I do, I do speak to superintendents, and I, I get the feel. Uh, basically, a superintendent uh, doesn't like to micromanage all this, so then once he knows what he's going to do, he gives it to the principals. So when I meet with a superintendent, I say, hey, if you don't want to micromanage this, then I will speak directly to the principals. So that's kind of how the way I do it. And then, you know, and they're stressed out too. So our bus. Uh, I thank you for the donations. We were able to accomplish that. Uh, and we purchased that 20, uh, 2011 bus. Uh, it works great. It just doesn't start right now. Um, <laughs> let me tell you why, though. There were squirrels that got in there, and they just chewed up all the wires. I, um, so I, I know a little bit about electrical, so I, I'm debating how I'm going to do it because they, chose, they even chewed the connectors. So I think instead of just wire igniting this thing, I want it back with the original connectors so there's test points that you can check throughout the bus when you're troubleshooting it. So uh, I'm right now debating how, how we're going to work that out. It has allowed us. I've been using it prior to that. I've been using it. Um, to take it to the schools in Allegan Berardine counties and uh, for my release time Bible classes. And they, we use it for, oh, actually, I use a different bus for vacation Bible school, but for that soccer camp, that was, tell you what, I had a great time. I have two churches already asking, hey, how can we do something like that? So, Pastor Josiah, wherever he is, praise the Lord for that. It was, hey, sometimes we must think outside the box. Uh, for reverb, I guess I'm going to be doing that. Uh, pray for me and Missy to stay awake. Uh, I used to do it back then, my kids, but I think I can handle it. I'll drink a lot of caffeine. 
Uh, let's see. Oh, I forgot one. Sorry. Uh, and, you know, for VBS. Oh, I must have jumped something, didn't I? Okay. Hey, first of all, I am truly grateful and thankful for what, what you guys gave. That just makes it awesome. I know vacation Bible school seems like it just happened, or soccer camp. I have to get used to saying that. Uh, right now, think about inviting kids and even donating snacks and prizes. You know, I like to get to, some, to the point, maybe you give an iPad away or something, you know, I don't know. Uh, as long as Pastor Andrew pays for it or something. Okay. <laughs> you can pray for Harvey and Ministries. Really, it's truly a mission right outside our field, right outside your homes. Uh, pray for safety on the bus. Um, usually, I'll get the bus, I'll start it, check the oil, I'll go through those things. Uh, make sure all the lights work. Uh, right now, they probably don't work, but they will. Uh, pray that Missy and I will remain healthy um, for our health. Personally, I've been doing really well. The Lord has been good to me. Um, I just know in the past I might have not been doing well, but I don't really know that. But I've been told I wasn't doing well. But for the last couple of years, God has been good. I've been feeling healthy, uh, exercising back with my wife again together. Uh, and I want to read this. In the words of one RBM missionary, Bob Barry, which I really appreciate. He's been around for a long time. When you see a bus, pray for us. My family, but right there, can you guys see that? Jew, that's right there is dad, and that's Nyla, Jessica's, uh, her, her daughter, Nyla, Nyla Elena. That's in my home. We have a little house for her, and I just love being a little kid. You know what I mean? Just being silly, which I normally am anyhow. But you know what my prayer for Juliana is, right? That she'll come to know the Lord and love him. Huh? That should be our prayer. Uh, by the way, maybe the word is out. Jessica is having another child, Lord willing, probably in April or May, probably May. So that'll keep us busy. And I believe that is all. And I'm going to stop right there. With that being said, I did, I'm going to try to do this without my glasses. So I don't do this. Um, Faith that transforms us. Uh, I think Len read the passage. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 11. And as you're turning there, let me just say something that recently our family, we traveled. Let me put this down here. We traveled to Chicago uh, to watch the, final, the finals of game three of the WNBA. So... Where's Paul? I love sports, Paul. So, okay, so amen. I, I would have been one of those guys during, hey, who's winning, okay? So, yeah. And, but, and to your point, Paul, nothing can compare to eternity, right? But, just you know, I do love sports. At the, uh, to go out uh, Chicago Sky versus the Phoenix Mercury in a sold-out arena, the fans were so excited, so loud. Man, they were just cheering for their team, I was sitting there, uh, my wife and our kids went, to, you know, Hannah said, Dad, if um, Chicago Sky makes it to the finals, will you take me there? I didn't think they were going to make it. Okay, so they made it. So, <laughs> got to keep my word. So we took them, and you know what? It was a blowout. Uh, Chicago Sky blew out Phoenix, 86 to 50. The MVP for the night was Kaylee Cooper. And man, this lady was on fire. But just being in that arena, the excitement, the food, you can't bring your own food, they'll stop you. Uh, it's so expensive. I mean, it's, that's where they make their money, is their food. But 
I bring that up because I kind of want to tie it into Hebrews chapter 11. I'm sure many of you have been to different schools to watch sporting events. How many here have kids, grandkids, you go into school to watch your events? Raise your hands. Don't be bashful. No, no, no. A lot of us. Myself, uh, Juliana plays volleyball, so I go. Me personally, when I go to the school, I look for the gymnasium, and I right away will go and look at the trophy cases. I want to know who their athletes were. And you men that are here much older than I am, you guys wore some really silly shorts. Like, uh, uh, that's the only thing that I look at those photos. These shorts are up to here. Uh, you got, that was a big no-no. But anyhow, anyhow, uh, that's what I look forward. So if you've been to the schools, in most cases, the in the gymnasium, there we go. I'll get it right now. You'll find what's called the Hall of Faith, right? You, or the fame, I should call it. The Hall of Fame, the top athletes, the jocks, as we would call it. And they, they'll display them on a glass case or whatever. And, you know, they kind of talk about it because they receive the trophies, their medals, their achievements during their time at that school. Well, in a similar way, in Hebrews chapter 11, it's referred to the hall of faith. We read about great men and women of faith that God chose them, ready, to encourage us. You know, I, uh, I will be reading on some of these men, Moses for one, but keep in mind, some of these men had many, um, I'll just call them defects, shortcomings, um, but God was still faithful. They were faithful, and God still used them. So when you read about these men and ladies, uh, they were sinners like you and me, but they chose to trust Christ. So let's, uh, in chapter 11, verse 1, I just want to start out with this. It's, uh, uh, chapter 11, verse 1, let's read it. I think I, I did this in ESV. Um, now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. The convictions of things not seen. I like to simplify things. Faith is being sure of what we hope for. That's future tense, right? We're hoping, you know, for uh, what, 1 Thessalonians uh, 4, 16, there'll come a day, a trumpet, and what's going to happen to us if we're alive? We're just going to be out of here, right? That's in God's word. That's for the future. It will take place because God always keeps his promises. And then it says, and certain of what we do, that's present tense. So, uh, yeah, we should be uh, in the future. We know Christ will come back for us. But we got a job to do while we're still here. And our faith should be on knowing that the Lord's return will happen. And this should govern our convictions in what we believe and in who we put our trust in. I think that's very important. Um, there's many people in this world, I don't know what they're putting a the trust in. Um, if it's anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to be lost for eternity, right? So I think that's, you know, Paul, you were hitting real good on That's what our mission is, to tell others about God's word. These men and women in chapter 11 believed that a Messiah would one day come, though they never saw Jesus. They never saw it come to fruition. Today, we have a completed word of God. Amen? Completed. No more can be added. No new revelation is completed. We have the completed word of God. We can read the Bible 
and know that God kept all his promises to his people. They've, there's other promises, maybe yet, yeah, but to those people in Hebrews 11, he's kept those promises. He did, um, he's been faithful. So in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23, if you're there, I want to read this part, so we'll start. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful or special and they were not afraid of the king's edict or the king's command. In Hebrews, you don't have to turn there, but if we go all the way back to Exodus chapter 1, we find a small group of Israelites, around 70 to 75 of them, that moved down to Egypt. In Egypt, Jacob's son, you guys remember Joseph? The, he had all the coat with all those fancy colors. Joseph was a leader in Egypt, and he found a way to store food because of God. God helped him there, but he stored food for the Egyptians so they would have food for years to come. And by doing that, he saved many people, including his family and the Egyptians. So Jacob and his family, when they moved down to Egypt, they become honored guests, and they get to live in Goshen, having the best land. Goshen has the best land to raising crops and animals. And during those years, the Israelites had many children and more children and grandchildren. They multiplied, and they become very powerful. I have a lot of pages because I had to do it in big font. But anyhow, <laughs> that's the only reason. Soon Joseph's brother and that generation, they died. The Bible says that a new king arose who came into power and knew nothing about what Joseph did, how he saved Egypt. That's why it's probably good to have history and keep it and write it down. This king was probably thinking, who are these people? Okay, they're, um, they're Israelites. They're different. They're shepherds. They have animals. Hey, who are these people? What are they doing here? He fears that one day they might turn against him, so he, he desires or he decides to make them slaves. Wow. They leave the land of Canaan. Um, they go to Egypt. They had a great time, fruitful, um, because of Joseph and God. All of a sudden, that king, a new king comes on and says, nope, there's too many of them. If war was to break out, they might go against the opposing team. So... He enslaves them for a reason. He enslaves them so to prevent them from having more children. So he works them hard and ruthlessly. I mean, we can go through it real quick. It was bad. You can imagine the temperature. He's beating them, hitting them. And what he thinks is going to help doesn't work. They continue to grow. Then he commands the Hebrew midwives, those that help ladies deliver their kids or children, Ready? To kill all Hebrew babies that are boys, but let the girls live. Wow. Okay, the Hebrew wives, the midwives, the king says, you must kill, if it's a boy, you must kill him. Think about it. Just in my mind, I, I like to put myself in the Bible. I'm not a lady, but I'll pretend. What would I do? The king said to do it. I'm talking, he's the king. He's the uh, 
He's the guy in charge. He's the most powerful guy. Egypt at that point, by the way, is a powerhouse. So Pharaoh, man, he's, he's it. Well, because their faith was grounded in God, their faith demanded a choice to do the right thing. See, I think faith will always demand us to make choices. It just depends what kind of choices we're going to make. These midwives chose to do the right thing, and for their obedience, God blessed them. They had their own children. To me, just reading the text, apparently maybe they didn't or couldn't have. I'm not positive, but it's very clear because of their obedience, God blesses them, and now they have their own children because of their obedience. The second thing I'd like to say, it's fascinating that the Bible mentions them by name. Shifra and Pua. Don't name your kids that, but Shifra and Pua. We don't really know even who the Pharaoh was. We don't have his name. But God chose to put this in the word of God because the faith that these ladies had. They trusted God in a time where maybe most people, what is that? I got to obey the king or maybe I'll die. They did the right thing because of their faith. The faith of the midwives helped them overcome fear. So I'll tell you, faith, faith can help us in many ways, but faith will help us and you to overcome fear. Well, the king didn't stop there. He gives another command to his people that every Hebrew baby that is born must be thrown into the what? The Nile River. Man, as I said, uh, Nile is 18 months old. So as I studied this, I, I was thinking of it. I was thinking of my own kids. Uh, they would have been okay because they're girls. But let's think about it. If it was a boy, you guys have boys, that they must be thrown in the Nile River. And again, the king says, if they're girls, let them live. Today, we call that genocide, don't we? There will come a time when we as believers, we're going to have to make a choice to obey God's word or obey the laws of the land that go against God's word. And I hope and my prayer is that we will be like Peter in Acts 529 when they were prohibited and they were told, stop teaching in the name of Jesus. And you guys remember Peter's response? Who remembers the response? It's better to obey. It's better to obey God than people. And I, uh, I just think that day is coming. I don't know when. Especially for like pastors, it's coming. Um, and I, I, that's what faith is going to be. Who are we? What do we believe in? They were determined, the apostles, Peter and the apostles, they were going to obey God versus man. But I want to be real clear here. <laughs> um, as believers, we must submit to governing authorities. Okay? I, don't, I, just, I don't want that side of context. In Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, 13, it's given to you right there. God instituted government. We must submit to him, right? Amen. That's why you have police officers when you're going 80 and you're going to get a ticket. Uh, there's reasons for that. So don't, yeah, it's the only time that maybe we may feel compelled to do that is if it goes against God's word, our morals, something we know is not right. Then I would say choose to obey God over man. But uh, just don't take that out of context. You can look it up later, Romans 13, 1 Peter 2, 13. That will be very explanatory to you. Well, in Exodus chapter 2, let me keep the story going. It's during this horrible time that a Hebrew couple, 
I'm going to give to Amram and Jochebed. Right here in, in uh, Exodus chapter 2, you don't know their names, but if you were to go to chapter 6, their names are given. So I want to give them names. This couple, during this time when the king wants to kill babies, throw them in the Nile River, Amram and Jochebed have a baby boy, and they choose to keep them. Well, see, they are, they're choosing because of their faith to do the right thing. Can we imagine the fear of that family knowing what would happen if they found out? Maybe the Egyptians found out, hey, they have a baby boy. They're choosing to obey God rather than the king. So what do they do? I think they're pretty creative. They, um, they hide their son for days, months. No, days, weeks, and months. Pretty soon, okay, you've, you've had kids. They get a little loud, a little harder to contain. So this family, they, they get together and have a family project. They get together and they're going to do something. They start making a basket. They want to make sure it's waterproof. And they're going to put their son into it, into it and release him into the Nile River. Well, that's faith, huh? Imagine that, putting a baby in there. In the Nile River? I mean, there's whatever could get them. But nonetheless, they're faithful. Jacobet and her family were choosing to trust God because of their faith. Their faith, what? They had in God. Okay, so they were showing their kids, their family, that their faith was grounded in God. And I think as parents, adults, grandparents, let's be honest, they're watching us, right? Let's make sure, are we grounded in God's word? Um, because this, the object of faith is who? God, right? <laughs> the object of our faith is God. These, uh, this couple is choosing to do that. Their faith helped overcome the fear of the king. Now, the story goes on. Miriam is a sister. So at this point, Amron and Jochebed, um, Aaron is probably three years old. You'll know about Aaron later in Exodus. Miriam is around seven years old. So Miriam is, is uh, Jochebed, and maybe the whole family is there together. They put the basket in the river, and the Nile River takes them. So there's the baby going. But I'll tell you something about Miriam. Miriam is on the Nile River. She's following the banks, you know, through the bushes and weeds. She's following that baby. It's probably we would too. Like, what's going to happen to us? Well, the basket goes along, and Pharaoh's daughter is bathing along the Nile. And her maids come, they pick up the baby, and they bring it to Pharaoh's daughter. And the baby starts to cry, and Pharaoh's daughter says this, This must be a Hebrew baby. How? Did you know that? I'll tell you what. God gave Abraham a, in the old covenant. In eight days, when your, child, when your baby's born, at eight days, you do what? <laughs> Naturally, I didn't put that for vacation Bible school. But, <laughs> but I just, you know, sometimes we read God's word. We get to study it. And, you know, I love teaching the children. But, man, there's things that we can, those little nuggets that I wish I could tell them. But, it wouldn't be very wise, but it's for us to know. Sometimes, man, God is so good. He's so gracious. This is Pharaoh's daughter. Her dad is the one who wants all these kids killed. Yet, it's his daughter 
that ends up, takes Moses, well, at this point, he takes, takes the baby, all the water, he's drawn out. That's where Moses, that's where the name comes from. He was taken out of the water. And by the way, that's also the way he was saved. He was taken out of the water, his name Moses, and by doing that, that's how he was saved. Other than that, he would have been killed like all the other, like the rest of the kids, the rest of the boys. But Miriam, that's not where it finishes. Miriam, man, she's a fast thinker. She goes up to Pharaoh's daughter. And by the way, in those days, you couldn't just address, you couldn't just come up to someone like Pharaoh, Pharaoh's daughter, or his elite group. You'd be a goner. Miriam runs up there, and man, she just goes up and says, hey, would you like someone to nurse that baby for you? Wow. Let's be honest. Pharaoh's daughter, she probably knows nothing about it. She agrees. And I just, I, and when I taught vacation Bible school, getting too old, she probably ran home, running home, knocking on the door. Mom, Dad, you're not going to believe it. And tells Jochebed, her mother, you're not going to believe this. Pharaoh's daughter has her baby, and she needs somebody to nurse it. So can you imagine the mom coming up there before Pharaoh's daughter, and Pharaoh's daughter basically hands the baby back to Jochebed, the mother of the baby, and says, will you nurse it? Will you take care of him for me? Oh, by the way, I'm going to pay you. Wow. Imagine ladies, your mom's at home getting paid for doing that. Praise the Lord. Maybe that can come down the road. But can you, I just want you to see as we teach uh, these lessons to these boys and girls, God's providence, his sovereignty, everything. I mean, he knows what he's doing. We may not know. When uh, they let go of that baby, they did their part. They trusted. They put their faith in God. And you know, a lot of times, we have to let go. Our kids, same thing. My kids are older. You know, it's hard. Because I have four girls. Two are married, and one's on the way, you know, in college. But I want to just grab them all the time. You know, I, I do call them a lot, okay? <laughs> I think they're okay with it. But... You know, there's a time we have to let them go and then pray that what we taught them from God's word through our testimonies, that they would choose to love God and do what's right. Amen. Well, the family has something in common. This family has something in common. They have a high view of God. I think today in this age, 2021, I think we better be doing that, huh? We should put God first, man. Uh, he should be our all. We should have a view of him higher than uh, Kaylee Cooper or whatever sport you're in. I'm not bashing sports. I love sports. But, you know, I, I was... Well, I'm Paul Gale. Let me get off track. When I was at that game, they're all going crazy for that athlete. Man, what if we did that for God? You know, like, I remember going to the uh, Word of Life uh, Super Bowls, they call them. You know, that's good. But... There's nothing wrong going to the game, but I got to admit, when I was sitting there, that went through my mind. What went through my mind when I was sitting there at that game, I thought, how many of these people here do not know the Lord Jesus Christ? That's what I was thinking. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm sure if you're there, you probably do the same. You're thinking, man, they're going crazy. How many of them don't know Jesus? And I think that should be foremost, always on our minds, you know, with our families and others. Well, I'll move on. Let's see. Um, let's go to... Hebrews chapter 11, 24 and 25. It says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God 
Let's enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. In Acts, you don't have to go there, but in Acts 7.22, it says this about Moses. He was trained, instructed in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Me, simple man. In other words, he's an intelligent guy. He's smart. They, they've, uh, they've invested a lot of time and money into Moses um, in educating him in the ways, remember, in the ways of the Egyptians. We could say he attended a college similar to the status of Harvard University. Let's be honest. Like in that time, it must have been the top-notch college who was probably in the top of his class, most likely graduated with a Ph.D., grooming Moses, possibly to be the next pharaoh in Egypt. So, um, man, he was mighty in words and deeds. And uh, just a side note, um, my brain does that too, Paul. It runs off. It's a side note. Maybe that's what God helped him write the what? The first five books of the Bible, right? So, hey, look at that. It's because the Egyptians, they educated him. And Moses, the writer of the first five books of the Old Testament. So it paid off, didn't it? So though it might have looked like it wasn't for something for good, God can turn something for better, you know, for his use. So by faith, Moses, I said, by faith, Moses, at 40, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Ready? He decides not to put his trust in the many falses, the many false gods of Egypt. Egypt had many false gods. And I will not go through it because of time when I, as I continue with the plagues. Those plagues are really all a sign of gods with a little g. Many gods. Uh, they served many gods, um, but they didn't know the true God, Yahweh. Uh, Moses' family, Abraham, Jacob, they did. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, they, they knew who he was. Well, in other words, Moses traded his luxurious lifestyle as belonging to the most elite family in Egypt. His social status, his honor, his power in society, even the place where he grew up. Imagine that, leaving the palace. Leaving the palace. I didn't write this down, but I forgot. What would I have done? You know, <laughs> to be honest, maybe not that. So, but I'm saying God used Moses. But I hope if we have the high view of God, all this doesn't really matter when we get to the end of our lives. But Moses, he didn't wait to the end of his life. He gives it away. He forfeits all that he gained in Egypt. The verse says, to suffer affliction with the people of God. Rather than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. This is embarrassing for me to say. But I'll say it. I've always said I like to be transparent. I love to be transparent. Uh, that's who I am. God has been working me and shaping me and molding me. But when I read this, this is embarrassing to say, but I remember many years ago when someone spoke on how awful sin was that we would regret it. I immediately thought he must be clueless and doesn't know how to sin. Okay, I did. I'll never forget that. I heard uh, whoever that was. And I thought, he must not know what I know. <laughs> you know, it's at that time, I, I was in sin. 
You know, I, I, um, I was in sin, and, and maybe it was when we first started coming, and my brother Dan would invite me. And, but I remember that speaker saying that because at that time, I was enjoying my sin. Not proud of it. I'll finish. But sin is enjoyable. For me, it was very enjoyable. I just felt that guy doesn't know how to sin. You know, he's, he's a pastor. I don't know. I'm not sure. I just thought he's, you know, doesn't have it all right up there. But let me continue. Sin will be enjoyable in the beginning. Now, that's just temporary, right? But one thing the devil, but the one thing the devil doesn't want us to know is that sin will take us further than we ever thought we would go. That's where we got to be guarded. My sin and your sin will hurt others. They'll destroy families. Sin will destroy our testimony for Christ. Remember the devil, his purpose? He came to steal. He came to steal your joy to destroy us and to kill us. His desire is to make us doubt the goodness of God. And I, as a child of God, when I got saved... I struggled with that. Man, the devil is no good. Uh, the book of John, I think, in 8 says he's the father of lies. He is the father of lies. He's, when we're trying to do something good, and all of a sudden that, that devil brings those thoughts. Um, the Bible says God. God remembers them no more when we ask him to forgive us. But I'm human. So my growing in Christ was very difficult because I heard stuff like that. And like, you know, he's, yeah, it's terrible, don't do it. But I'd already been doing it before. So I thought, hmm. So just as a side note, that, that kind of caught me off guard. It hindered me a little bit. Um, but it never really, well, I didn't have the, uh, I don't say the audacity, but I didn't have the nerve to go ask pastor. Like, pastor, maybe you don't know. And I, I don't think it was Pastor Bowman, but I just let it go. And I think that's why it's good to have uh, friends and family and God's in God's family, so we can, we can bounce those things off each other. Again, faith demands us to make godly choices. Faith demands us to make godly choices. And remember, faith, when we're talking about faith, the object of faith is always God. Remember that. The object of faith is always God. Well, let's read in Hebrews 11. Now I'm going to go through 27 and 26 and 27. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward... Uh, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. And just because of time, I mean, if we, if you, you probably know Moses for the first 40 years, his 40 years of his life, that's, that's really when he became to age and he decided, hey, I'm going to join God's, God's side. Uh, and then at 80, at the burning bush, I'll let Pastor Andrew handle that, but I believe that's probably talking at the burning bush at 80. So Moses, first of all, was a very slow learner. I could relate to him. Very slow learner. But God can use us that are slow learners. At age 80, they, I was probably talking about the burning bush. Um, and uh, I actually, well, I did do that for vacation, for soccer camp with the kids out here. And I, um, my bush started smoking like crazy. We had to take it outside. So I chose not to do that inside a church, so... I learned from that, uh, but anyhow, but I wanted that to be an, uh, uh, a lasting impact, a, a visual, a, um, for them, a picture of them, 
because that burning bush is so important. I won't get into it in this, in this lesson, but that is when God calls Moses, man, you're going to be the man. You're going to deliver these people. And you guys remember Moses, man, he's, he's afraid to talk. He stutters and all those other things. Yet, I think about Acts 7.22, he's a mighty man of words and deeds. I wonder what happened there. Well, I think God humbled him. If God, if you allow God to humble you, he will use you. He, does, he doesn't need us to be puffed up or whatever. Uh, I think Moses, for those other 40 years as a shepherd, he had a lot of time to think, and God humbled him. But I'll get back on track here. Um, so, um, so Moses' faith in trusting God's promise for the future, he, for the future, though he didn't know all the details, Moses sees the value of trusting God over the riches that Egypt has to offer. Can you imagine what the faith, what kind of faith it took for Moses to turn his back on Egypt? And sometimes we read about Egypt. Egypt is sometimes referred to this world that we're presently living in. So sometimes when you read God's word, it mentions it's Egypt. It's the world that we live in. Faith will also help us endure the trials this world gives us and the strength to say no to this world with the help of the Holy Spirit. Hey, there's a lot of times we're just going to have to say what? No, just no. I mean, I, uh, I remember as, uh, when I first got, you know, I was 25, I trusted Christ as my Savior and you know, I still had my friends, and I think it was called Wayside Bar or something in Kalamazoo, but they, that's where we would go, you know, it's like a place you hang out and play pool or whatever, and, and I, I remember they'd ask me, and then, hey, no, I can't go there, I can't go there, and then, you know, finally, uh, they'd ask me, but never want my wife to come, you know, as guys, we hung out, and I, I mean, have your friends, be careful, but if, if they're taking you somewhere you don't belong, just say no. Faith gave uh, Moses that endurance. He endured and said no. So just young people, you know, just where are you going? Would it please God? Is that something that would honor him? I, uh, I lost most of my friends, <laughs> you know, uh, not because I wanted to, uh, but because they chose not to hang around me. Because you know what? When our faith gives us a different perspective, it puts God in a higher view, and God should be all to us. Uh, but anyhow, let's move to Hebrews 11:28, By faith, he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so the destroyer of the firstborn might not be touched. Before going to Exodus 12, what I just read, I want to read what takes place in Exodus uh, 4:22 and 23 to put it in context. Because when I read this many, many years ago, I was baffled. And you'll know what I mean. So in Exodus 12, something takes place back in Exodus 4. And this is what takes place. Then you, uh, God is telling Moses, saying, you shall say to Pharaoh, thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn. And then on 23, and I say to you, let my son go that he may serve me. If you refuse to let him go, behold, I will kill your firstborn son. So keep that in, in, in you know, keep that in, in, in the mind, in the full context of chapter 12, that Pharaoh was warned way back in uh, chapter 4. Um, in Exodus 12, when we get there, God has already devastated the land of Egypt with nine plagues. But Moses still refuses to let God's people go. So, you know, he goes through all these. And for vacation Bible school, we went through all these plagues. And, man, I, when I studied it, I thought, wow. You know, he's, he had the frogs, he had the lice. 
uh, hail. Uh, and I remember the darkness. Remember uh, the CB, the ninth plague, the darkness for three days. Then you could feel it. I said, I remember going, I think it was Kentucky, and we went down into the caves, and my wife, my family. It was so dark, so cold. Uh, I couldn't see nothing. It was pure darkness. That's probably the closest I came to it. I mean, I couldn't see nothing in front of me. Well, God did that to the Egyptians where for three days. But in Goshen, ready for this? In Goshen, there was light. Uh, wow, how could God do that? He's sovereign. He knows all. Well, God tells Moses to tell, he gets the whole congregation together, and he basically tells them, hey, choose a lamb or a goat, and it must be one year old. Now, these are specific. It must be one year old without a defect. He doesn't want a defect. So uh, he gets before the whole congregation, and, and he tells them that at sundown, they must kill the lamb, roast it over the fire, and then the blood should be applied to the side. I think I'll do this real quick if I can. Do I got, yeah. Um, you know, so they have to kill a lamb, and they're going to have to put the, pl the blood, something like that, around the doorposts on the sides and on the top, and something like that. Well, maybe not. And, and that's all for a reason, and I'm going to read it here in a second, but so. First of all, remember, there has to be a lamb or a goat, a year old, with no defect. And by the way, he, they even they get it on the 10th day, but God gives them four days. They have to hang on to it in case maybe something's wrong with it. But he does that. They get this lamb. And if you can rewind your, your thoughts back to maybe a, a child that I'm teaching in vacation Bible school. Okay, so, you know, I thought, that'd be me. He's my buddy, like your dog, right? So, I mean, think about them at that age. So he, um, and, and I won't go all the details, but, but if your family's too small, you can share one with somebody. But in this manner, you shall eat it. This is prior, right prior, before the 12th, uh, before the 10th plague. Have your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, your staff ready to go. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord Passover, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all the gods of Egypt. And very clear, God, Yahweh, he's the only true God, capital G. All these other gods are false. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Ready? The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I, God says, and when I see the blood, I will pass over and no plague will befall you or destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. That takes place. So the lamb's perfect. The lamb has to be killed and the blood must be applied. Um, and midnight, I'll just quickly read it. At midnight, the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the captive slave in the dungeon to the firstborn of the stock, firstborn of the family and the livestock, even the animals. Basically, Pharaoh says, hey, get out of here. And they don't want him out of there. God then tells Moses, it's time now to leave. Moses now becomes, ready, a leader of a nation. Up to that point, they weren't a nation. Remember, 70, 75 people started back to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Uh, Moses now becomes a leader of a nation. And uh, that brings me to Matthew 26, 26. I think I can put it up here if I get this to work. Oh, I went a little 
way back. Uh, so they got the lamb. Let's see. They're having the Lord's Supper. And this is on the eve before the, on the eve before the, Jesus goes to the crucifixion. But Jesus is around the table with his disciples. And remember, he's, he's partaking of the, in uh, Matthew 26, uh, 26. You know, he says, this is my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. Drink it. This cup is a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. Uh, God is going to abolish. He's going to uh, nullify the old covenant. Where the old covenant, the priests, uh, when Moses gets out of there, those are the, they leave Egypt. They have a tabernacle and then a temple and so forth. But what happened back then, when they had the tabernacle, they were daily sacrificing animals daily. And every year, once a year, uh, it would be when the Passover would come over. So once a year, the Passover got home to celebrate every year. So when Jesus is thinking of this, see all the way to the right, I think you're right. He's probably thinking, yep. And uh, the apostles, they've been doing this for generations. So they know about the Passover. So that blood, just so you know, in the Old Testament, imagine how many animals had to be sacrificed, how much blood had to be shed. Because there was daily sacrifices. There was an animal that died every day. And then the Passover, the Passover was uh, the yearly deal. So as, as they're there with the Lord's Supper, he's thinking of that. And Jesus, you know what? God sent him because he knew what they did in the Old Testament. That blood was only able to cover their sin. Just cover it externally. And just uh, for the, you had priests. And you had the high priest. The priest would be uh, in, the, uh, in the holy temple. But there was a high priest, which is a picture of Jesus. The high priest could only enter the most holy place. He's the only one to go in there. And guess what? He had to offer blood sacrifice for his own sin. So even the high priest that went into the most holy, he was sinful. He had to apply the blood to himself. But Jesus, here at the, at the uh, Last Supper... He sees himself up at the cross, and I'm not sure what that. We can go back on that one. But if I can, I just want to show this as a as a picture, and I'll be finished, guys. I just want you to know that Jesus, the Lamb of God, you guys remember John, right? In John 1:29, when he sees Jesus coming, hey, the Lamb of God, that what? takes away the sin of the world. I really believe John was going back, way back to the Old Testament uh, when all these sacrifices had to take place. Well, if I can just quickly put it together, Jesus, when he went to the cross, there's now going to be, there's the new covenant. The old covenant was in the Old Testament. Jesus goes to the cross and this is where he's going to abolish the old, the old covenant. There will be no longer, no more sacrifices. No more animals will have to die. Jesus is righteous. He is the perfect Lamb of God. He goes, ready, to the cross because it was God's plan to die for us, for sinners like you and me. Ready? Not to just cover our sin, to take it away. It had to be somebody perfect. Remember in the Old Testament, it had to be perfect. Uh, no defects. Uh, he's the sinless, the sinless Christ. He's our sacrificial lamb. Hey, this is what they did for years. 
Jesus, and, and if you go to Hebrews, I think at 10, the, the blood of goats and bulls, they can never take, they can never take our sin away. So I tell you what, just, just out of illustration, I, I knew I was a sinner probably back then, but if you were to ask me back then, before I knew Christ, I, if I would go to heaven, I'd say yes, because I knew a lot of other people worse than me. But when Jesus did that at the cross, you ready? <laughs> he imputed his righteousness. He gave me his righteousness. And he took my sin, your sin, upon the cross. Not just for you, for the world. I don't totally understand it. Because how could he do that? Well, he's the son of God. So when you think of Moses and as we go on with a Passover, man, he gave me his righteousness. He's the mediator now. We no longer need that high priest. Remember, they go into the most holy. They're not needed no more. Jesus is our mediator between man and God. So Jesus stands on my behalf. So when God sees you and me, he sees us as righteous, righteousness, that we're writing God. Just for you, for what, things that I struggle with, I still felt like a sinner. But you know what? That's just the devil, man. When you sin and you confess of your sin and you ask God to forgive you, he forgives you. He remembers it no more. The devil comes along and says, hey, man, do you remember what you did yesterday? No. Don't, don't let him do that. Guys, Jesus, he paid it all. He paid it in full. And that's the great news we have of that. And I was thinking of, let's see, Pastor Andrew. When I was studying, I was thinking about... Um, this, uh, Jesus, why his supreme worth to us, why is it so important to us? Uh, let me just, I got convicted myself as I was putting this here. I threw him in here myself, didn't I? Um, let me find it. I, as I studied, um, I, here, there's, from the old, the old covenant to the new covenant, there's a big difference. Basically, Jesus paid it all. He paid the full price. It was nothing you or I could do. He did it all. He completed it. Um, but let me read. I want to read something that's personal in my life as I studied this. And I think it's uh, here somewhere. Let me see. Uh, okay. The theme for missions, the supreme worth of Jesus Christ. He should be worthy of all my time. He should be first place in my life. He should have reign over my life, all of it, but sadly, referring to me, I realize my own selfishness when at times I don't bother to talk or even pray to God. That's me, guilty. How he must feel. May God help us to have a high view of God and be thankful, ready, that he chose us because he alone is worthy of all our worship and devotion. And please never forget, we never found God. God chose us. That should encourage us that, you know what? He's on our side with his help and uh, us crying out to him to help us daily and uh, just looking to him um, for his help and strength as, you know, as, as we go on through life. I'll just pray and I'll be finished. Father, I thank you for your worthiness. Lord, I thank you for Christ, the perfect sacrifice. Lord, that um, I don't understand it. You were perfect, sinless, yet you died a perfect person 
for someone like me, sinless, I mean, a person like me that's sinful and wretched. Yeah, God, you did that. And Lord, by, by me trusting in you, uh, calling you as my Savior, asking you to forgive me of my sin, Lord, you impute that righteousness unto me, then you take my penalty. God, I thank you. You alone are worthy and worthy alone. In Jesus' name we ask, amen. Well, thank you, Al, for that. Just want to challenge you those questions once again we've been thinking about throughout the whole month is if someone was to observe your life, right? And the way you act, the way you talk at home or at work or as you're just going about life, does the way you act, the way you talk, the way you live, is it putting on display the supremacy of Christ? When people watch your life and they, they see you, are they seeing Christ and his, his supremacy? Or if they were to check your, your, your checking, right? Your use of time, like, like Al just talked about, or whatever aspect of life, your thought life. What do you think about when you're not thinking about anything, right? If you think about Christ and the supreme worth of Christ, and he is worthy because, like Al just said, the great exchange, trading our sin for his righteousness. That's, that's amazing. So we rejoice in that, our, our worthy Savior. He's better than Moses, better than the angels. He has a great new covenant that we're in by faith. So we, we rejoice in him.